0: She has this amazing laugh. Every time she makes her own joke, she sort of goes. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Rusty Quill presents. Enthusiasm. Friends and fans and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I'm your host Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers, and today we're talking about indie video games. And I am super, super stoked to be joined by Maddie and Nathan. Uh, as always, we shall introduce ourselves alphabetically. So Maddy, can you give us your pronouns and tell us what you do?
2: Yes, my pronouns are she, her, and I am an editor and a director with Rusty Quill. I worked on uh, Stellar Firma as the lead editor. I was the director of Inexplicables, the Patreon-exclusive supernatural drama. And you may be hearing more from me in the future, hmm, question mark.
0: Very, very exciting. Righty-o. Next up, Nathan, can you please give us your pronouns and tell us what you do?
3: Oh, how do I follow up such a stellar resume? <laughs> uh, I go by he, they pronouns. I am the androgynous android game show host from the future, Nathan Blades, tabletop RPG designer, streamer, voice actor, and general internet ne'er-do-well. You can see me at the Neoncaster on Twitter, and I am also the voice of Oromar Vale on the Campaign Skyjacks podcast. It's a pleasure to meet you all.
0: You might want to know, Ben has specifically told me to listen to Campaign skyjacks Mm. so you've got some admirers within rusty quill
3: oh that that generally (laughs) makes me really really happy no he loves it (laughs) it's such a it's such an illustrious show that's been going on for years so the fact that they cast me just you know some random robot from Britain to go and be a zombie pirate captain to (laughs) an audience who do stuff like say when they really enjoyed the episode that they heard or draw fan art and it blows my mind every single time Gosh! so uh yes thank you for listening those who are listening present past and future
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay all right Let's dig in. Mm -hmm. I have got an extremely simple and easily defined question, which is, what is an indie game? Mm. Someone give me a nice one sentence descriptor of what we mean when we talk about indie games.
3: Okay. A game is an experience defined by (laughs) rules, as suggested by uh, games developer and author Ms. Anna Anthropy. But indie games in particular are those things, but also made uh, without the large amount of financial backing of a large games publisher in my opinion mm.
0: that is actually a lot more pithy than than I thought we would get i was making a joke about how it's quite difficult these days to draw the line but you've done really well you have you've humbled me sorry
3: to ruin your day
0: <laughs> <laughs> maddie would you agree with that definition
2: yeah absolutely i I'm a very arty, farty, pretentious person, and I very much enjoy going for it. ooh obscure. I'm, mm. I'm very much into that. So, but yeah, I will, I will play a blockbuster game along with the best of them as well. But yeah, I, I have a special love for indie games.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Hmm. I find that indie games tend to be
0: a lot more creative conceptually hmm. than a lot of the AAA stuff that's coming out. But that might be just because I'm I'm late to the games, and I maybe I missed the heyday of the big studios
3: no i don't think you're wrong mm. i i think the main reason why people might argue AAA games being a little uncreative is because they're dealing with such a large financial product mm. they're treated as investments so they can't be risky So there are often lots of choices that would be creatively risky that they can't do if they're working with such a large IP. Mm. I adore the Pokemon games, but the Pokemon games are never going to be particularly adventurous because of how much that franchise is worth, (laughs) which makes me sad. But yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely one of the big factors of major games being maybe a little less out there sometimes.
2: Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. And and from the other side as well, necessity is the mother of invention. And when you have financial constraints, it really forces you to be very creative in order to make something enjoyable and innovative Mm -hmm. on a small budget. Mm -hmm. And I always appreciate that. And I often kind of impose artificial constraints on myself when I'm doing something creative in order to force myself to be more out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's something that I've heard from quite a lot of
0: people, actually, that like, it sometimes means that you produce a better product when there are limitations put on you in that way. Mm. I think also the reason that I often prefer indie games is precisely because they tend to be sort of quite small scale Mm. and yet still impactful. Because I don't don't have time for some of these open world games where you can go anywhere and be anything and I'm just (laughs) like... No, I need...
3: (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely understand that. As uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure most people out there with a regular nine to five job, and then if you're like us doing additional kind of creative work on top of that, (laughs) the amount of time that you have for a video game is quite limited. So to do the really, really large epics or you know, God forbid, like an MMO, which is infinite hours long, (laughs) can be a really challenging thing to do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like an ish post, I don't know whether I can swear on this podcast or not, uh, an internet post, if thou wilt. (laughs) That says something along the lines of, I want shorter games with worse graphics made by people who were paid more, and I'm not kidding, or something along the lines of that. And yeah, yeah, that's kind of like, I think a lot of people are kind of hoping indie games fulfill that energy a bit more as it play yes for, for the record to give the entire quote because you know people like factual accuracy on podcasts otherwise they send in angry emails I want shorter games with worse graphics made by people who are paid more to work less and I'm not kidding put together by at Jordan underscore Mallory on Twitter there we go
0: Thank you Jordan Mallory for encapsulating my feelings on that subject because I'm absolutely on board with that to be honest mm-hmm. and there are so many lovely little games that I can't imagine being picked up by like a AAA a studio like like Stardew Valley
1: mm. I
0: did just say that I don't have much time for big games but I have <laughs> sunk a good 140 hours or something into Stardew Valley at this point oh, yeah but I get to take it at my own pace. <laughs>
2: yes, yes. I like on my third or fourth save game and three of those are 100 plus hours. So yeah, mm. Mm. like having it on Switch is a, is a killer. That's just the... I see. That's that's how I <laughs> managed to squeeze so much time. It's like, oh, bedtime. Oh no, a little bit of farming before I go to bed. Oh dear, mm. it's 2am. All All right. <laughs>
3: I've not touched it myself. I lose my powers if I move too far away from concrete. Uh, So Ah. the pastoral life is not for me. My partner's (laughs) a big fan of it, though. He's played it quite a bit. And we're both actually quite excited for Haunted Chocolatier, the next game in the series.
0: I'm so excited for that.
3: Mm, The trailer, though.
0: That
2: looks very cool.
3: I I mean, maybe it's just the fact that it has ghosts, lo-fi hip-hop, and like an isekai plotline. But that ticks a lot of personal boxes for me. You know what I'm saying?
0: yeah the ghost looked really cute as well just sitting behind the counter having their nice undead time
1: mm-hmm.
0: selling Ch- just oh i love sort of like the the aesthetics of mm. concerned apes games i love the music
1: mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like
0: whoever did the sound design on that there's something about all of the tiny little sounds in stardew valley mm. that really make my brain go ah This is a pleasant sound.
2: Yeah, it's a serotonin boost every single time. You get a little pop from getting a parsnip out of the ground.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's the popping when you get your crops. It's the thunk thunk when you chop a tree down. It's the... All of those little things
3: are so lovely. That kind of attention to detail. Oh, actually, speaking of indie games that have really high attention to detail on sound design, at Time of Recording Unpacking released about a week ago... Not played it myself, but apparently that has like 40,000 different foley pieces of work for moving items around onto different surfaces and things like wow. that. Because it's supposed to be that immersive.
2: Yeah, that is that is on my list of many games that I would be happy to talk about forever.
3: Oh, please do tell me about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, please tell me about unpacking. It's, it's exactly the kind of thing I love.
2: Yeah, I saw a live stream of it recently and I thought... Taking something so stressful as moving house and turning it into a sort of Zen experience seemed very cool mm. and like it's, the art is very beautiful. it is pixel art but it's very detailed and mm-hmm. as you go through it, you are kind of picking up an environmental kind of story throughout mm. because, as the person's belongings changed as they go from like child to student to adult. You can see how what elements stay the same and what things change, and mm. how different relationships come into their life. But you never, there's no dialogue. There's you never see a person, but you can kind of be like, oh, the main character now has a roommate who likes sewing,
3: mm-hmm. or Aww.
2: they have a a D and D character that they have a little mini of, and then later on it, it gets painted, and so it's just like they have the <laughs> same mini for like throughout multiple moves of the of the house and i think there's also like the implication of like uh, a queer relationship and they and having a baby and it's just really sweet (laughs)
1: Hmm.
2: i will
0: wait until i finally get a pc Mm -hmm. because this laptop (laughs) this poor darling laptop it can't handle anything more detailed than like undertale Hmm. yeah which you know another great game with amazing sound (laughs)
3: Mm. yes
2: incredible like incidentally that was weirdly because i'm a late adopter of video games as well
3: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Mm. one of the first proper video games that i played Mm. and because like previously i'd only like done cd rom games of like putt-putt travels through time and stuff like that (laughs) as a kid oh
3: edutainment games of the 90s were so dope i owned almost (laughs) all of the magic school bus games and they were all great
2: (gasps) (laughs) But yeah, the, the music in Underdale is incredible and just the fact that it's mostly done by one person is mm-hmm. mind-blowing.
3: Yeah, yeah. Prior to releasing Undertale, they did a lot of ROM hacks. They did ROM hacks of Earthbound in the past.
0: What's a what's a ROM hack?
3: Uh, so a ROM hack is taking the kind of code of a video game, mm-hmm. which are called ROMs, back in the day where it was cartridges now, they're ISOs if they were off disks, and changing the hacking the code to put new content in.
1: Ooh. So
3: they were taking... Earthbound, the SNES RPG, which Undertale is very, very much a love letter to, and changing uh, aspects of the music, changing the graphics, changing the storyline. One of the most iconic songs in Undertale actually had its origins because he composed it for that ROM hack of the game way back then.
0: Mm. Is that Megalovania? Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, exactly that. It's like his uh, signature song. For a while, he also did music for the... I guess, multimedia webcomic slash flash animation series called Homestuck, yes. which you may be aware of. If you're not aware of it, I do not have enough time on this podcast to explain it to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's an excellent Sarah Zed video that's over mm. an hour long that you can watch,
0: Yeah,
1: there which we go. is how
2: I learned about it. That That is what I've got all my knowledge of Homestuck
0: from. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. It completely passed me by even though I was on Tumblr in 2012. So theoretically, I should have been caught up in it, but I wasn't.
3: I mean, a narrow miss, I think. (laughs) No, 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 that's mean. That's mean. I I, I read it through at the time and adored it. And I still kind of adore it for it being one of the first pieces of big multimedia, cross-media projects that Mm. managed to also end and be made. But yeah, they did multiple music albums. For that project, to which Toby Fox did a sizable chunk of music. So it's been really interesting seeing him kind of like grow his creative Mm. roots to the point where it's like, no, no, I'm going to make a full video game from scratch and it will take me five years, but (laughs) (laughs) it will give everybody who plays it permanent brainworms. So, you know, (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. they really are permanent. There's like the song that's all dog noises. There's Tammy Village where everyone's a cat. It's, yeah, it's great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's
2: wonderful. Have you played, uh, have either you played Deltarune? Yes! I
3: played
2: the first chapter and I want to play the second one, but I feel like it's been a while since I played the first chapter, so I need to play that through again to remember what happened.
3: <laughs> I would recommend, not necessarily for the story because it kind of feeds that to you, but the difficult, it's not necessarily harder-ish, but it seems you've played the first game and was reasonably comfortable at playing the first game, if that makes sense. So giving your time to kind of remember the story and also get used to dodging bullets the way it wants you to is probably a recommended. But yeah, D- Delta in Chapter 2 is great. Me, like many friends of mine, adore Spamton as a character. Yes,
0: <laughs> best boy, horrible little scammy man. Mm terrible trash person yeah. love love Spamton so much
3: for those who know me my general brand is is about technology and retro internet pop culture layered onto the stuff I normally do mm. so that game being, being specifically about like late 90s early noughties internet uh yeah <laughs> it was all like oh this is everything that I uh, that I want in my work I'm definitely gonna have something inspired by Spampton in, in next tabletop RPG thing I do I swear <laughs> I've already used some music from that game as like backing music for streams streamed tabletop stuff
0: <laughs> yeah Maddie, you should absolutely play it if only if only for the villain mm. queen Ooh. who is so funny <laughs> yes. she is i think she's one of the funniest characters that Toby Fox has ever made <laughs> cool. i'm very excited and she has this amazing laugh every time she makes her own joke she sort of goes
2: oh, 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 oh.
3: <laughs> yeah 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 oh
2: yeah that's a very final fantasy thing for every character to have their own specific laugh like there's mm. kihi or ha. and so I yes. feel like
3: <laughs> oh like Kefka's laugh yeah 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 yeah. I get you
2: <laughs> yeah yeah you're right actually and then
0: Susie's laugh is like <laughs> I don't know about the others
3: Lancer laughs a lot I think is as well yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
0: lancer just kind of goes splat <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> you ever not want to do anything with lancer he just splats at you this this may be two personal questions so feel free not to answer if you don't want to but mm. have you ever killed one of the monsters in undertale of course
3: i feel
0: like most people did on the first go
3: sort of I was lucky enough to have backed the Kickstarter way back when and played the demo, so I was already aware Uh... about how the game worked when I went in to play it for real. Although, (laughs) I didn't against toriel uh, that first boss battle i didn't i was you know hitting mercy and it didn't seem to be working so i was like oh mm. the game wants me to fight her then and then i got chastised for it and i reloaded my save and persevered with the mercy and then it worked and then the game chastised me for loading my save to make sure i saved her and i'm like <laughs> yeah. ah ah this game's clever i see yeah
0: <laughs> tricksy <Trixie. laughs> Like my first playthrough, I killed Toriel, mm. and later on, and I can't believe I did this because I'm, I'm very bad at these games. I have absolutely zero like finger reflexes mm. and mm. can never see things coming. I'm bad at memorizing things. But then I killed, um, I killed Undyne as well. Ah, and like she turned into dust, and then she came back, and I killed, I killed her because <laughs> it hadn't. I didn't realize that I had to run away,
1: mm.
0: like physically run away. Like I would, I would manage to run away out of the little fighting box mm, mm, mm. and then i just stood there like where do i go
3: very fair <laughs> and
0: didn't, i just didn't know where to go So i just stood there and she caught me again and i had to fight her again
3: very fair i, I guess if there was to ever be a criticism for that game is that some of the kind of like gimmicks slash puzzles can be slightly in unintuitive in combat mm. i because it's a single player game though i'm very willing to look things up if i get stuck Mm. especially since a lot of the battles in that even if you know what to do you still have to physically do it with your hands right i remember being stuck on the metaton boss fight
0: yeah that's a tough one yeah i got stuck there for ages
3: yeah there's a gimmick where you have to shoot a disco ball to change the kind of attacks it does at you and i didn't realize that was a thing that you could do and it was just getting my ass all day so uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, i think you know with how smooth delta rune is After Undertale, you can definitely see how his game design sensibilities have really changed across the multiple games he's made.
0: On that, we'll see you in a minute.
1: Selling a little or a lot?
0: And welcome back. So, Nathan, you asked me and Maddie if we had ever made any games, and I'm going to fire the question right back at you. Tell us about the games that you have made.
3: Yes, yes, I have indeed made the VidGam before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I can't remember how I I specifically got into it, but Mm. there is a twice yearly, maybe three times yearly, video game design jam called Ludum Dare, or maybe Ludum Dare. Even the people who run the event are really inconsistent about it. (laughs) The idea is that uh, a whole bunch of people decide on the theme by democracy, and then there is two or three days, depending on whether you're working alone or in a group. There's like the contest mode, which can only be one person working on the project and it's in two days. Or like uh, the free jam mode, which is as many people as you like working over three. Mm Mm-hmm yeah, you, you just go and design a video game within that limited period of time with a theme that has been set for you in order to kind of, uh, as I think we were kind of talking about earlier in the in the show, fostering creativity through restrictions.
0: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. really
3: enjoy writing and telling stories. At the time, I wasn't it doing tabletop RPGs. I was doing tabletop stuff mm. some years before and now, now, obviously. But at the time that I started, I wasn't really writing any. But I'm not a programmer. I couldn't have the head for getting into Game Maker and putting in a physics engine or anything like that. So I'm like, I want to make a visual novel. Mm. And teamed up with a, an artist friend of mine at the time. The theme was 10 seconds. And we made a game called uh, Pizza Apocalypse 20XX, which <laughs> is trying to stop this glam rock necromancer from turning <sighs> all pizza in the world into moldy meatloaf. And you have a time limit in order to persuade him to do something else in that in that time when the clock hits yeah. zero, everything's ruined, and then you have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so silly, so, so silly, but it was really fun. The fact that even in three days, you end up doing all-nighters and working way harder than you normally would to be able to finish something, and that mm. was, I mean... This show does not encourage real game developers to crunch, to produce projects. But when you're doing it...
0: Thank you for the clarification. Mm-mm-mm.
3: But when you're doing it for fun, <laughs> and you've never done anything like that before, and you're really enthusiastic about the the process of creating, mm. you kind of do those bits and pieces. And I have done that maybe three or four separate times with lots of different ones. The last visual novel that I made called kenneth rice vampire detective <gasps>
1: <Yeah. laughs> i'll leave you i'll
3: leave i'll leave the listeners to go find that it's on my itch.io account actually so if you googled that you'd be able to find it very easily <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love it i love i love that i just from the title you've got me
3: Mm, Because visual novels, there's a a particular program called Renpy or Renpy, using Python, the programming languages to make visual novels. Mm -hmm. And the code that you type out has the same kind of formatting as if you were typing a script out Uh right into saying when characters enter or leave frame, or if they do a particular pose and how characters' names are attributed to text boxes and stuff. So if you're somebody in, I, I think if you're a fan of Rusty Call, you probably are fancying yourself or are a bit of a writer. <laughs> if you ever wanted to make a video game, making a visual novel using Ren P is probably a good call. But uh, before then, I was using Twine, a system to do interactive stories and choose your own adventure, like text games. Yes. So graphics are not mandatory at all. It is all essentially... The end result will be like an HTML file with text and links that jump you to other pages. And the back end is like a big spider web of all these interconnecting pages that you're linking up yourself to tell a story. Nice. Super useful as a tool, actually, even if you're not making interactive fiction. Just as a way to kind of organize story structures, all the visual novels that I made since were actually prototyped in twine so i could get the structure in my head out and then not having to type a choose your own your adventure linearly mm. <laughs> cuz that's that's a nightmare don't do that <laughs> yeah
0: that's maybe something i want to talk about a little bit how visual novels are often a really common format mm. for small developers to make and a really interesting genre and another one where people have been really creative mm-hmm. i haven't played it yet but like doki doki literature club
1: ah mm-hmm.
0: famously bizarre <laughs> as far as i can tell even though i haven't played it yeah same for
2: oh what's the pigeon one
3: Hatful oh, hat boyfriend. boyfriend
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
2: that's that's on my list i haven't played it yet but i'm very much looking forward to it at some point when i can really dive into the bird world mm. <laughs> It's a lot of fun, Maddie.
0: I think you'll like it. Excellent. Mm. It's it's very silly, and then there are some storylines that suddenly take a super dark turn, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh no! I thought this was a visual novel about funny birds, <laughs> but no.
3: That is also strangely a classical archetype of the genre, weirdly enough. Mm. Oh, yes, Japanese specifically visual novels are really were were in the past a really popular kind of like game medium mm. because it's the easiest way to deliver cute anime girls directly to your eyes <laughs> you <know? laughs> which i say flippantly but depending on the game pretty pretty straightforwardly that mm. it's part of what doki doki literature club is kind of riffing on mm. um, of it being like oh you know it's cute girls doing cute things and maybe you get to smooch one and then it turns up to not be that i will i will say that ddlc does really really interesting stuff you have to play a very intentionally flat visual novel to get there Mm. because you know it's you know trying to get you to forget that you purchased a horror game so (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) but yeah 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 those kind of like uh bad ends are a very kind of like popular highlight in that genre as a whole
0: that's interesting
3: because you wouldn't think about that in any other genre of video game right you wouldn't be playing Stardew Valley and then make a, a specific choice and then have a horrible grizzly end. Mm. You get eaten by your own cows or something.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that makes one of the bits in Dream Daddy make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cuz there there are two there are a couple of choices in Dream Daddy where you can
2: accidentally Mm -hmm, die oh i wasn't aware i've I've played dream daddy but i hadn't i hadn't come across those options if i have i wasn't aware (laughs) there's one where
0: you can be too ambitious of a dancer and like (laughs) injure yourself very badly oh wow there's another one where you can be too adventurous of a diver and like land on a rock instead of in the water or something like that While we're talking a bit about horror, the horror genre is another one that has a lot of interesting indie games in it too. Mm. Can someone talk to me? I don't know. Have either of you played Phasmophobia?
2: I've played a little bit of it.
3: I have not. I cannot. No, please do explain because I'm too baby. (laughs) No,
2: I haven't played it either. I have watched quite a lot of streams of it and tried playing it, but... I'm A, very bad at it, and B, it's quite scary. Mm. So (laughs) Mm. you can either solo or um, as a multiplayer crew enter into a house or some other location and try and... Figure out what kind of ghost is in there using different diagnostic techniques. Like, is the does the temperature go below zero, or do they write in a book, or mm. are there fingerprints on the walls, that kind of thing. But you can get killed, and one way to earn money is to, if you're in a multiplayer group, is to take a photo of your your fallen comrade's dead body,
1: <laughs> 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 because
2: you get you get money for uh, photos that you take, and you get money for correctly identifying the the ghost that's in there but you have to buy all your own equipment and if you die and leave all your equipment behind then you have to buy it all again and so if you're playing solo it's really unforgiving and Mm. you like that's partly why i didn't get very far because i don't know anyone (laughs) else who's playing it and i'm constantly dying so (laughs) (laughs) because i'm a freaking audio nerd the interesting thing about the sound design is as soon as you go in the house there's like this low level hum Mm. that just instantly makes things super scary and like you wouldn't necessarily notice it if you weren't looking for it but you just as soon as you go in it's just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is genuinely terrifying and i tend to avoid a lot of horror games not necessarily because they're scary, but just because they're, like, gory, and I just don't mm. want to be looking at gross stuff when I'm sure. trying to have a nice time.
0: Very <laughs> understandable.
2: And so I thought Phasmophobia might be a good shout because it's not really gory, it's just kind of spooky. But no, it just it genuinely unsettled me when you're in... In a room on your own, like if, if especially if you have got headphones on and you're mm-hmm. just looking at this dark house, and it's like there is no way to like make it light. Like the the darkness of it is very effective as well. The, like the graphics are not amazing, but like for with with the with the resources they have, they've created a really great sense of atmosphere.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: it is impressive, but yeah, I think better better done with a group so that they can take a photo of you when you die.
3: <laughs> <laughs> for sure.
2: As with all fun
0: activities these days,
3: I mean, lo fi and low poly horror is a pretty big way of rendering that genre of game as of late. Yeah. I mean, mean, you know, PlayStation 1 models are already hit an uncanny valley because they look sort of human, but they don't have the face quite right. And if you use that in a spooky context, then you can definitely. Yeah. There's an entire game anthology of low poly horror games. That's like styled by... I I really should stop naming things and then not remembering the full name because I'm going to have to look this up and it'll destroy me. (laughs) Don't
0: worry, I do this constantly. Mm -hmm. In so many episodes, I've forgotten the names of actors, actresses, singers, musicians. Like, even if I really like them and they're really famous, I'm just like, Jennifer, what's her name? Like
3: (laughs) Mm. This free horror game demo collection is a throwback to the PlayStation 1 era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Haunted Disc. There we go. Ooh. It's uh, available via itch.io, which is a fantastic platform for obtaining indie games. It is indeed. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, 17 different games done by a whole bunch of different designers that all kind of explore telling horror using low tech by design. Which is great. I love that aesthetic a lot. I've I, I've always been a big fan of the kind of like turn of the century approach to computer graphics. I can't play Phasmo either, <laughs> not necessarily because of the kind of gore stuff, but I find it really difficult. If I am in control of the game and I then have to be competent and be scared, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I can do horror RPGs and things like that because it doesn't risk expect me to kind of have the response dexterity to avoid being attacked and things like that. Mm. So recently I've been streaming World of Horror and Inscription.
0: I'm hearing a lot about Inscription. Oh, Inscription
3: is so good. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Oh, yeah. Inscription was initially, this ties in all the themes together all at once. Fantastic. Oh, So the designer of Inscription is known for doing games that are not quite what one would expect and they unfold in unusual ways as you play them Mm. and for a game jam some years ago he did like a demo game called like and one must starve or something similar to that where it's a card game and you're playing this card game to earn food so you don't starve and then as you play it through you realize that either you get the food or the your starving child who is behind you can get the food and only one of you only one of you can get it. So that game did really well because it was really tense and the person who's playing the card game against you is just a set of eyes and gross gnarled hands. You don't see who they are. But it's also a card game and a very well-designed card game at that. And the full release is takes that idea and expands it into kind of like a deck-building roguelike adventure. And those are two words that probably don't mean anything, and that's perfectly fine.
0: No, I had someone explain what a deck-building roguelike was to me the other day when they were explaining what Slay the Spire was.
3: Oh, fantastic. Yes. <laughs> why, why didn't you tell the class what a deck-building roguelike is?
0: Okay. Deck building means that you get given a hand of cards and you have to figure out your strategy depending on what the different cards do. So it's something like Hearthstone or, Mm. I mean, I'm not good at them, so I don't actually know many of them, but something like Hearthstone. And uh, roguelike means that it's something where you do the same level or the same boss over and over again, like in Hades.
3: Yes, exactly. That. Like
0: you're doing the same thing, but it's diff- subtly different each time and you're getting better and you can try different techniques and different tactics and different strategies. And uh, Slay the Spire specifically is, I think there are, there are 20 bosses mm. and they're, they're generally the same each time. So it means that it's all on you and choosing your cards and your techniques mm-hmm. and they have the same attack patterns. And so it's also based about you trying to remember what to do to combat each of their moves as well. But yeah, it sounded really interesting and something that I'd be really, really bad at.
3: (laughs) It's a game that loves card games and it will scare you into loving them too, I think is the best (laughs) way that I would put it. Uh, (laughs) Right down to your different attempts. If you fail at the card game, the ominous hands and eyes will kill you and you playing another loop is a different person, which is very cool. And it manages to maintain that kind of air of dread on top of a game that is essentially like a Pokemon or magic the gathering send up for about 10 hours mm. fascinating i played it on st- i finished playing it on stream relatively recently uh, which was kind of an interesting experience because you know you want to stream the game because the game is good and you want other people to go and buy it But because the game is also really spoiler-heavy as you go, there's a kind of like, well, people want to see me finish the game and not quit it halfway. But if I stream all Mm. of it, then everybody gets to know what happens. And maybe that's not great either. And I had to kind of do a bit of weighing up. Well...
0: (laughs) That's up to them really if they want to continue watching. Like if you say, "All right, we're about to start spoiling the game." Then they can decide. Yeah. You can't you can't protect the whole world from spoilers. Yeah. 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 Like mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: And, you know, the the people who were watching got to see me scream out loud with with joy. <laughs> Uh, at, at once with surprise, but uh, later on in the game with general, like, oh my God, amazing, live on air. So, you know, uh, <laughs> swings some roundabouts. But yes, Inscription is very good and manages to use every kind of like low poly atmospheric drone music trick in the book to give that sense of dread <laughs> to something about playing cards.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So Maddie, you say you don't really play... Horror games that much? Not
2: really. I'm I'm very mm. into kind of Gothic horror where things are just mm. kind of spooky and sexy. Mm. But I'm not really into like guts spilling onto floors, etc. <laughs> like I'm 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 intrigued by the concept of Resident Evil, but I don't think I could play a Resident Evil game, for example. Mm. But there are a couple of indie games that I have on my my mega list which have kind of horror elements, but are not, not uh, very scary. But mm-hmm. that suits me very well. <laughs> so there's um, Night in the Woods and Oxenfree are two mm. that I really mm. like. Oh, Night in the Woods, I think, is extremely horrifying, though. Yeah, yeah. And surprisingly, has surprisingly weird parallels with Hot Fuss. <laughs> oh my god it does yeah oh very good playing as a little cat who comes home um after dropping out of college and kind of dealing with the the small town blues and Mm. picking up Mm. with friends who um who you've left behind and dealing with weird family dynamics and just like all that good emotional heartbreaking stuff (laughs) it's great Mm yeah
3: We can absolutely talk about games that are about things in the indie space because I was hoping to at some point bring up Disco Elysium, which is very much a game which wears its politics not so much on its sleeve, but emblazoned on the back of its punk jacket.
0: (laughs) Yes. Talk to me about Disco Elysium, either of you, because again, I haven't played it, Mm. but my best friend has and basically live blogged it
2: to me the entire
1: time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So.
2: I haven't played it, but I'd be very interested to hear more about it because it does seem intriguing.
3: I am not super far in Disco Elysium, unfortunately. It's a it's mm. a game that is it's it's also sort of a visual novel and it's very much a, a, a big time commitment, unfortunately. Yes. So it's something that I've not been able to put in a huge amount of time into. But it is essentially one of those video games that tries to be an entire tabletop RPG within a video game space. You are a detective who cannot remember very much about their past at all. All that they know is that there is a crime that they've been assigned to solve. And by hook or by crook, they're going to go and solve it. <laughs> but the fact that their, you know, drug and alcohol fueled haze is what a big factor in them not being able to remember mm. means that a lot of people don't really trust them to be a good cop or a good detective and a decent chunk of that game is like so what is a good cop actually mm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the the answer considering when they won an award T- studio zaum when they won an award thanked mark marks and engels as part of the special thanks for the award gives you a pretty solid suggestion on what they think a good cop might be <laughs>
0: <laughs> is it not a cop mm.
3: <laughs> mm. Mm. Fair, fair. <laughs> which you know, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, though, you get like a fellow like detective who is assisting you, mm. Kim Katsuragi, who is an amazing character who is super together and trying to be together for the both of you, trying to keep it together for the both of you. And you can do nothing but root for him, especially when he also kind of, you know, talks about the reality of the circumstances of why he's doing this job with you, noted incompetent, Mm. says (laughs) a whole lot about how that system worked. But anyway, that, that kind of cascades through the entire game. In fact, they did like a special edition relatively recently, which lets you... When you run into characters with particularly strong politics, you as a character can be like, let me go on a thought experiment on what it would be like to look from that point of view. Mm. And an entire side story arc starts, entirely optional, that leans wow. into that particular kind of political identity for a while, right down to the rules of the game changing, depending on what that identity <laughs> is or
0: means. Wow, that's very interesting.
3: Mm-hmm. Cool. So it's very much a game where, you know, there are not being negative on the show, just stating a fact about how people talk about games. Sometimes there'll be a game that releases from a AAA that will be very political in its subject matter. But the PR about it will say that the game is not political because it being political would mean that people won't buy it.
0: We're probably all thinking of a specific one. Get the politics out
2: of my video game.
0: Big list. Big list.
3: (laughs) So to have a game that's kind of like, no, this video game is very specifically political. In fact, it is all politics. See what all of them do. Yeah, (laughs) It's very funny to me and pretty cool, I guess. (laughs) Yeah.
0: We are starting to come towards the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. So I would like to end us on... Just a little, little nice, quick question, which I'm sure we'll have no difficulty in answering. Now we've talked about a lot of games Mm. so far. I'd be interested to know if any of you, if either of you, have a uh, a favourite indie game, either one that like introduced you into it, or one that you can play Uh over and over, or uh, one that you think just is very, I don't
2: know, special to you in any way. Uh huh. There was one that I played recently that I really enjoyed. On, on the one hand, Undertale will always have a special place in my heart because it yeah. kind of introduced me to video games in general, as well as being an incredible story about empathy and um, all that kind of stuff. Mm. But the game that I played more recently that's also up there is Spiritfarer. Mm. Ooh, interesting game. Yeah. I, like, I liked it a mm. lot. Extremely sad in a good way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... Right, the art is so beautiful. Yes, it's incredibly beautiful, and I am terrible at platformers, and the platforming elements are very forgiving. So <laughs> that, I appreciate that a lot. And you also get to grow things like in Stardew, so that is another plus. And just the the dialogue is is wonderful. There's a, a character that you come across who is a DM for uh, a game, and you get to <laughs> yeah. recu- you get to find all their players and bring them uh, like bring them together and get them to set up a wee game, and it's it's very, very sweet. Mm -hmm. And the, the character kind of talks in character as the dm and out of character <laughs> yes. and is like oh yeah like, oh, we need to get some snacks you need to get some-. and then it was like oh hello, i see the great hero return <laughs> this kind of thing and it's just extremely charming mm. and it's just like i think that's my my one of my favorite npcs ever um just this yeah. random this little this little kind of i don't even know quite what kind of creature it is is it like a, a basilisk or a, a dragon or a mm. wyvern or something it's just like this little lizardy thing
0: You're absolutely right. It's a very charming, beautiful,
2: wholesome game
0: about death.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. As someone who plays a necromancer in an actual play podcast, Uh, I enjoy talking and thinking about death. (laughs) And I can understand why people don't, but also I think it's important to be able to explore it in an open and healthy way and be able to kind of consider it from different angles when it is a difficult topic so yeah mm. that's kind of yeah one of my things i absolutely agree what about you
0: nathan
3: oh sure i mean echoing the sentiment of uh of undertale metaton as a character has informed a lot of things about my life going forward since <laughs> <laughs> but i think in terms of like My favourite indie game... I'm not one for replaying games often, actually. I tend to to Mm. play them and finish them and not touch them again, because there's an infinite number of games to play. Transistor by Supergiant Games Ah, is, I think, my favourite indie game, because I've played it through on almost every platform it's been released on. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I've I've played it through about three different times. I I really enjoy that it's kind of like genre fusion of... 1920s noir and cyberpunk Mm. i enjoy that it's kind of like post cyberpunk and that it kind of takes place in a space where it's post scarcity and everybody there is an artist living out their own dreams of being the kind of creating the things that they want to see in the world and then watching that world fall apart the music is beautiful i have that on vinyl actually and yeah yeah it's it's also a really well-paced piece of storytelling. Mm. Uh, It's not very long, but it manages to tell you a ton of things about the world and the tragic stories of the character that you're playing as in short order. But yeah, Transistor has been a passive passive energy across my work since I played it for the first (laughs) time some years ago.
0: I've been trying to think about mine. Mm. Like you, Maddie, Undertale and Deltarune and just Toby Fox's games absolutely have a really special place in my heart because... I think Undertale for me really introduced me to what games could be.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: I was like, "Oh, you can do you can do this." It was very much the same feeling of like whenever I go to a poetry reading mm. and I'm like, "Oh, right, you can do that with a poem." <laughs> oh, that's very cool. But actually one that's left a really like one that I think of is um Flower. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's by the people who made Journey and Journey also I really really loved. Mm. But Flower is a game that had um, maybe it was just the 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 time that i played it for those who don't know so flower is a game where it's kind of a music game in some ways Mm. you are a petal and you can fly and you have to go and like touch all of the other flowers and like wake them up and slowly you rejuvenate landscapes and as you touch each petal they create Different melodies and notes as you fly around and touch everything, and and they all like blossom into life. Mm. And you start off in like this sort of brown, dry land, and by the time you finish, it's all green and with trees and beautiful things everywhere. And there's several different stages, and in the end, you're in a city, and you bring the whole city to life with plant life, mm-hmm. oh. and it just made me want to cry so much. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's just a a really beautiful game Mm. in every sense that I can think of. And yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'll play it again because I kind of want that one time to like...
3: Sit in your memory forever. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: lovely. That one has had a big impact on Mm -hmm. me. Right. Right. That definitely brings us to time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my gosh, this has been such a cool conversation. Mm. I have learned so much. I have so many more games to look into now. Same. Oh my goodness, my <laughs> list
2: is expanding.
3: <laughs> oh, actually, before we go and do our goodbyes and stuff to highlight if there are people who are listening who want to find more about cool and weird indie games, for one, make an account on itch.io. It's like one of the best places to go get indie games Absolutely. just ever. And it <laughs> takes a better cut of the money for the people who are releasing those games than Steam or the Epic Store does. If you want to find some YouTubers who cover lots of cool games, Errant Signal uh, regularly talks about a wide variety of different indie games. He has uh, a bit of a personal passion for first person shooters that echo the ones of the past, like Doom, but covers the gamut of lots of different stuff. And then if you're into the kind of like deck builder roguelikes that we were talking about earlier, uh, Retromation covers all sorts of games in that genre and adjacent and has been kind of like my portal of finding games in that genre when I want to try a new one. So yeah, wanted to shout those people out for people who were interested.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Well, on the topic of thank yous, Thank you, listener, for coming along with us. I hope you have had a good time. Just like I hope we have also done. Mm -hmm. I had a good time. Amazing. But I cannot speak for you. (laughs) (laughs) Had a lovely time. So for now, I will see you in the next episode. But it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from my lovely guests. Do you both want to say goodbye?
3: Farewell, my darlings. (laughs) 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 Goodbye.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.
0: Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike 4.0 international license. It is directed by Helen Gould... Produced by Lori Ann Davis with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner. And edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom, Jeffrey Nils Gardner, and Catherine Ronella. Thanks for listening.